this is the Bedford Blues Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blues Podcast. Well, following a fantastic performance at the Champions Elect Elin Trailfinders, we swiftly turn our attentions to the visit of Cornish Pirates to Goldenton Road this Saturday. Tickets are still available to purchase, with a £4 discount available for those purchased online. Simply head to www.bedfordrugby.co.uk forward slash tickets to secure your seat and get behind the team. It's always a classic when Bedford Blues and Cornish Pirates go to battle with a current average of 47 points per fixture. And we're hoping for another entertaining battle on Saturday. Ahead of the game, I've caught up with three members of the squad to discuss what is our penultimate home league fixture and a thrilling day in the capital last weekend. Well, it's good to be here broadcasting to you from the SDC suite overlooking the Goldenton Road pitch. I am here with backs duo Matt Worley and Jamie Elliott. Matt, how are you today? I'm very good, thank you, Brian. How are you? Very well, mate. Thank you very much. And Jamie, the same question to you. How are you? Yeah, I'm brilliant. I'm happy to be here. Good. Well, you've both got smiles on your faces, as do most of our supporters at the moment. A thrilling victory at the league leaders on Saturday. Jamie, maybe you just want to kick us off with... How good a feeling was that for the players to get a first victory of 2022 at the league leaders, five tries, and stop them getting a single point? Yeah, I think it was yeah, the, the fact that we've gone into so many games in this, this new year. They're winnable games, and then we're going down to Ealing where we haven't won since 2015, and it's sort of just, it's like, it's all like, it all just happened. You know, we're saying in, in a camp, in our circle, no one outside saying, you know, a game will come, a game will come, just keep doing our things, like tweak a few things here and there, but the game will come and it happens to be down in, in the capital. Yeah, it's not the happiest of hunting grounds for any team and even hosting Ealing's very difficult. Matt, it was your first win over Ealing. You've played him a few more times than what than what Jamie had. Um, how good a feeling was it for you to get the first win of 2022 as a team? Uh, very good. You know, I'm still kind of a bit surprised and shocked the fact that we won. Uh, I think most people were, you know, the game was quite good fun to just be involved in because I don't know, after like the first kind of 10 minutes when we equaled their try, kind of still couldn't really believe that that's happening because it's not very often you get to score points down away at Ealing. And then again, to keep putting score uh, points on them, like just kind of motivated everyone a bit more to keep playing, keep enjoying it. And I think we went into halftime all kind of smiling, um, which again, against Ealing is probably a first time ever for that. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing, really. And we had that sort of unfavoured tag going into it. I think people would have wrote us off before the game. Did that in any way motivate you leading into kickoff? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't really think as a team it doesn't really matter what is happening external of the of the circle as long as you know we we believe in each other and, and believe in ourselves and it doesn't really matter sort of thing you know so we we had the belief that we knew what our tactics were going into that game everyone bought into it and yeah i suppose it showed and it took a whole team performance to get it the whole 23 made their impact as well. And um, what were the key points that you were trying trying to achieve going into the game from your team talks? Well, we had one message that was kind of reiterated throughout the week. However, we weren't really allowed to repeat it. Um, but, you know, we just kind of go out there. There wasn't really that much pressure. Go have a bit of fun and, you know, 
go try and cause an upset. You know, the worst that can happen, you obviously lose a game. Um, but like we kind of had such a great reward from it, um, just almost ruining their game plan completely. They started bickering to each other and, you know, they just, I don't think they were used to that. For the, uh, That was quite kind of a new experience for them to have, if people would say label us as the underdog, kind of on top of them for 80 minutes, really. And you both, yeah. you, you both scored as well, so that must breed confidence as well. Oh, yeah, dot dotted down. Mm. Yeah. Well done, Jamie. Yeah, well done, Max. Thank you. Me, Pies. Um, first, first and second half, boom, boom. Yeah. First and as, as last, boom, boom. Yeah. Of course. Let's just talk about your try first, Matt. I mean, it, it guess it kind of stifled Elin's momentum in the game. They were 7-0 up. They were probably thinking we could get rolling out, but to hit back so quickly, and especially I think it was 120 seconds afterwards, it was a real marker to put down to say, actually, we're not rolling down here, boys. We we will give you as good as you're giving us. I can't remember. It was like a decent uh, line break from Dean, trademark really. And then everyone kind of worked pretty hard to uh, get the ball out. And I was kind of just standing in free space. So just right to place, right time. And then when I scored, I kind of didn't think it was actually going to stand. I thought it was either a forward pass or there would be something um, it would be brought back for. So that was just... Again, a bit of a weird experience scoring against Ealing almost quite easily. But I mean, I just stood there and put the ball down. So Dean and the rest of the forward and the backs did the hard part. And Jamie, your try on my clock, it said 78, but mine's always out a bit. It was 70 something. It kind of killed the game. How how good a feeling was it when you dotted it down to probably be thinking, well, we've got a couple of minutes to play here, but we're going to win the game. Yeah, I, I suppose it, it pushed it out of like arm's reach for them. They had to then score twice, sort of thing, uh, maybe more. Yeah, it just you know, from a from a from a line out set piece and just kept rolling around. We just you know, all the, yeah, forwards getting around and hitting the right fence, and then just in disarray. It's kind of the message that a couple of the other players and Mike was saying after the game actually is that this result means nothing if we don't back it up. Let's talk about the one that we're going to host on Saturday. Cornish Pirates, Arr. we could be, <laughs> we could become the first team outside outside of the top four this season to beat all of the top four members. What's your initial thoughts ahead of them coming to town on Saturday? I suppose the fact that when we were down in Pirates, you know, unfortunately had a red card, and uh, we were just about getting going down there. The tyres were changing, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Good analogy, yeah. <laughs> You'll see analogy. See shanties, no none. And it, yeah, that's just this that, that pedestal of like the top four. You know, if we're one of those teams that yeah, take them, then yeah, why not? And confidence is high in the camp at the moment. Hopefully that translates into supporters coming through the turnstiles. Matt, maybe you can give your rallying call to supporters thinking about joining us at Goldenton Road on Saturday. Come on down. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, to have as many people come down, you know, Jer- Boxing Day against Jersey was a hell of a crowd. Um, and then obviously the week afterwards, we had a great crowd then. So it'd be nice to follow all, both those games up with a massive one here. Uh, and like you said, hopefully, you know, get, um, get that label of beating the top four. That would be pretty huge, you know. Yeah. It's normally always a good game. Against yeah, Pirates, always so. good game against Pirates here or there. So um, I think everyone can look forward to 
what should be a very entertaining match to play and watch. I think the top four probably a little bit out of our reach with four games to go, but fifth certainly could be the position that we could consolidate over the, the next couple of weeks. What's the, um, what's the feeling within the camp at the moment? We've got four different fixtures, some very tough, some that look on paper easier, but anyone can beat anyone in the championship. What's the aim for the team um, in the last four league fixtures going into the championship cup? Mike said it the other last night training, you know, there's the opportunity for us to potentially go unbeaten to the end of the season um, through to the cup games at the start. So that'd be, I think, quite a good challenge for us to aim towards um, in the coming weeks. You know, the, like you said, some pretty tough games. So, yeah, just, just try to finish the season on a high, I think, and then have a couple of weeks off and attack the cup. Yeah, you've both been in squads that have done well in cup competitions before. How much would it be good to bring silverware back to this club? We haven't won a trophy since 2005. How how proud would you be if you were the squad that brought success to Goldenton Road? I, I always think it's one of those things where, you know, once you're playing for a long time or whatever, the, the matches or like the years, they all merge into, into one sort of thing. You can't really don't remember what year, but... You remember when you when you win silverware, you remember what year it is and who is against, and you remember most things are happening in that in that game. So, you know, you'll make a stamp for a lot of us and yeah, we won't forget it. Yeah, be good to bring some silverware home. Open top bus down the high street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blue flares, roads closed, pie poppers. What do you want? Pie? We'll take some pie. A few beers. Three beers. Yeah. Ciders. A lot, quite a few guys drink ciders. Lots so. of Harry Bows. Yeah, and uh, it's a great way to celebrate. I think yeah. if, if obviously we do the hard work first and get to that stage, you know, rumor has it final could be at Wembley. I'd like to take the trip there. Yeah, you're sick. It would, and silverware in the championship is not the only thing on offer at the moment. Um, there's Six Nations playing for uh, another trophy (laughs) at the moment. We've had two rounds of action. I know that we've actually played on two of the main days um, away at Donny was when the Calcutta Cup took place and this weekend there were were games as well. Um, Have you managed to see any of the Six Nations so far and what's your thoughts of it in the first two rounds of action? I have watched zero Six Nations so far. Like you said, we've been playing. Uh, Focused. Focused focused on my own game, yes. Uh, And, you know, I just got other things to watch on TV at the moment, I'm afraid. Tinder Swindler, good watch. That's very good, I've heard that. Um, What else? What's that that word you want? Lingo. Lingo, yes. We were talking about this in the car over lingo, me, Jamie, and Rich. You know, when you guess the four letter word, five letter word, that's another good watch. Brilliant. Tipping point, tipping point. Yes. So back to Six Nations. No, I have not watched any Six Nations, (laughs) Um, but I should watch some. Have you watched any, Jamie? Uh, I always watch the highlights. I watched that England uh, Italy game actually. Well, yeah. We watched a little bit of that. Oh yes, in the Wales Scotland game, didn't we? That was one after Ealing. Yeah. Yes. Watched a little bit of that on the screen. But um, big old screen down there. So after two 
two rounds of action. If you if you haven't seen any, Matt, I will try and catch you up. France are the only team that can win a Grand Slam. Uh, lose. After two rounds of action, next next round of action is the big game, is what I would always call it, England-Wales and things like that. Big game um, three. Big game big three. Game. France, obviously, currently the favourites. Um, Matt, you obviously played in Paris for a little while. Um, you know some of the players in sort of not quite the first team at the moment, but have been in and around the French setup in recent years. I do. Um, you've been been around. Why is it that French rugby at the moment is going through this sort of usage in form and that they could win their first championship for 11, 12 years? That's a tough one. Uh, they've got, I guess, a very good squad, very good players, hence why they're beating everyone. You know, they've got so many young players that are playing top level and top 14. Like you said, I know a few, um, quite a few mates that I was in the academy with at wrestling are now like week regular starters, weekends, uh, have been in and out of the French squad. So they're just like, I think they're giving everyone pretty decent experience at international level and playing top level. So when they come on the stage in Six Nations, World Cup, or whatever, it's nothing new. There aren't that many nerves or they're not used to playing at that level. They're, they're, they're pretty seasoned veterans of the game by then, I'd say. And Jamie, looking at the other end of the table, um, I listened to another podcast uh, a couple of days ago and they said that by the end of the tournament, they felt like Italy would win a game, that they're building in confidence. We've, we were talking off, off air before we've just started recording that maybe you know maybe only a few of the uh, squad at the moment. But why do you think um, Italy are sort of, coming a little bit into form. I know they haven't won a game yet, but people are tipping them to win a game this year. I suppose I suppose this thing of they sort of like a couple of seasons ago they have revamped the whole um the whole the whole setup now. They've got two teams. There's only two teams in Italy in that in that um what you United Rugby Championship. Yeah, because I played in the old group 14, oh, yeah. Yes. And um and it's some sort of sort of similar to what France doing. They're playing their young, yeah, getting their youngsters involved. Um, they've got like good setups from the, the grassroots stuff, like 18s, 20s, that they're, they're now coming through now. Uh oh, thrilling 6-0 win against England. Yeah, exactly. So you see those those guys coming through. And you know, Kian Crowley, who was at Treviso before, now is the, the head of Italy. Yeah, as a as a Kiwi, he's just it's just making making the boys, you know, want to want to play for play for the shirt and um, get that bit of grit back in back into them and and the, yeah, a few of the guys have actually playing top level and also playing in, in that French league as well. I know like Gab Garbisi, the the ten, he's uh, he's playing out there, so they they've been exposed to top flight rugby. It's just showing. Well, it's been great chatting about rugby. We're going to hear now from Alex Wolford, who's going to feature in the spotlight. And then after we've heard from <laughs> Alex Wolford, we will then come back to be joined again by Matt and Jamie, and we'll have a little bit of fun and games to conclude this episode of the Blues Podcast. Uh, hello, Blues fans. Uh, hope you're well on uh, what is a fairly miserable Monday. Although I hope you're still feeling elated from the uh, team's performance on the weekend. Uh, this is In the Spotlight with me, Alex Wolford. Wolfie, let's start by talking about what you've just mentioned, actually. Elin on the weekend. How proud of the team were you? 
um, for that performance against the league leaders away from home? Yeah, immensely. Um, you know, I think it was always going to be a tough challenge. I think actually a lot of uh, people obviously wrote us off going down there, especially with the, the result they put on us earlier in the season. Um, but we always knew within the team it was kind of, you know, we're, we're capable of, of that type of performance. Um, and, you know, just from the off, really, uh, you know, boys trained, you know, fantastically all week. Um, and I think there was just a general sense of belief, which we probably have been lacking for a few weeks. Um, but, you know, to a man, they were outstanding on the weekend. And, you know, I think the really sort of pleasing thing from a Bedford perspective is that, you know, Ealing never really looked in control of that game, you know, from the minute off. Bedford were always in control of the possession, the territory, really, really clinical. You know, in some ways it, it sounds ridiculous, but it was almost a very un-Bedford performance in terms of, you know, it was a really physical contest up front. Bedford, you know, absolutely destroyed Ealing's Mall. And then defensively, you know, boys were flying out the line, you know, uh, Toops at nine was putting in shots, Matt Wally flying off his wing, uh, Jamie Elliott, you know, Louis, first up tackles, outstanding. And then, you know, obviously complimented with the boys up front, um, you know, Bailey, top tackler, uh, you know, Robin, Tui, Jordan, you know, all, all the boys. But, um, you know, it was just an outstanding team performance. Um, so, you, you know, hopefully that um, gives us as a squad a huge amount of confidence going into the the last block of um, league games and looking into the cup. But, um, yeah, just immensely proud and um, chuffed the boys. You know, it's been a bit of a tough start to the year, but, you know, they thoroughly deserved that and were by far the better team on the day. Throughout your career, you would have had it had a foot in both camps in the sense of being favourites going into game and you've been the underdog going into games. I personally heard people saying to me, it's going to be 80 points, it's going to be 90 points, Elon could even get 100 during the game. Do you use that as motivation when you go into those fixtures that people are expecting that of you? So let's show them that we can prove the opposite. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of had the emphasis and we spoke about it all week, you know, like if if we worry more about our own performance and what we can control, you know, we'll be in a good place. I mean, we, as I say, we've been quite, you know, a bit unfortunate, had some inconsistency at the start of the year, maybe struggled to get a run of games in terms of get some wins. Um, and, you know, it does have a kind of compound effect. But, you know, it, all, it was almost at the stage where, you know, we, we went to that game knowing that if we stop them on the game line, they're going to run out of ideas. And as I say, that's what set the tone on the weekend. Front, uh, We're fronting up, first up tackles, you know, their, their big ball players weren't getting into the game and they weren't getting the kind of momentum that they got against us earlier in the season. And then, you know, suddenly we're, you know, we're looking, we scored, uh, they scored first. I thought it was, you know, really unlucky. It was actually against the run of play. If you look at it, we had a really good D set. We stopped them all 10 metres out, a couple of dominant tackles, and then we just make a one slip off and then, you know, they, they get tried, but, you know, wasn't by any means deserved. And then we go straight back and, you know, talk about bounce back ability or, you know, showing a, a bit of courage and we score straight away. And then from that minute, you know, we just looked totally in control. But I think a lot of that, as I say, came from us having belief in what we can do as opposed to thinking about what they can do. You know, everyone knows they've got, um, you know, a lot of premiership quality in their team. They're, they're obviously a full-time outfit. They have premiership ambitions. You know, everyone's aware of that. But, you know, as I say, the challenge for us is to focus on what we can focus on and um, yeah the boys did that fantastically on the weekend and what you can focus on is obviously the next game we've probably made our challenge a little bit harder because Cornish Pirates will now be thinking about top spot as well how do we stop them similarly to Ealing yeah I think it's it's another one you know we a, we need to use this game not to we, we can't get complacent with that result because although it was fantastic um, you know as you say we've got the next best team in the league almost I know they're obviously fourth but you know with games in hand they're they're technically second so you know it's 
for us, it's about taking the confidence we we had against Ealing and you know replicating that you know in a home environment, um, what should be a, a, a big crowd, and then also thinking about the the game we had down there earlier in the season. You know, we we feel like we should have won that game. You know, unfortunately we didn't, but it's there is a sense of you know we need to get some justice here. We need to you know right some wrongs. So you know, con- combining what we know we can do and what we've done. You know, I think it's going to be key into this weekend. Whereas, as you say, they're going to be smelling blood. They probably think they're in with a chance. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a, a tough encounter, but you know, also one that we look forward to um, taking head on. The victory against Ealing means we've beaten three of the top four sides, Jersey and Donny, here at Goldenton Road. How good would it be to, to almost complete the set? Because we would be the only team outside of the top four to do that. Yeah, massively. And I think... You know, obviously the season's or the, the league structure is coming to its conclusion, but um, you know, as the pitches dry up and, and the cup competitions around the corner, you know, I think actually this is the time for us to sort of come into our element. Uh, you know, traditionally, obviously Bedford have always been known for throwing the ball around, but as the pitches harden up, um, you know, it it does suit our style of play and the players we've got. But you know, actually the encouraging thing for us is that as we did on the weekend and, and as we've done against, uh, as you say, Donny and Jersey, we've shown that we can we can adapt our game. You know, we're good at throwing it around when it's a nice dry day, but actually we're we're really good at dogging it out when, you know, you just need a, a big shift up front and everyone just needs to you know, strap in and, um, you know, make their tackles. So, you know, it obviously it'd be you know, fantastic if we can be one of the only, or the only team in the league to beat the top four, and that's great. But, um, you know, for, I think for us, we just need to worry about next game at a time so you know our focus is entirely on Pirates as I say we've got a bit of confidence um, there's a good feel around the club but you know we, we also know that we probably worked as hard as we have done all year last week so for us to have another good game we need to do that again this week so yeah huge amount of confidence that we can hopefully take into Saturday but um, yeah we're under no illusions that it's going to be a tough game And how much are you hoping for a home performance as well because Hartbury and Antill didn't quite go the way where we wanted to fans have stuck by us and how good would it be to almost give them the result that they deserve Yeah massively and I think you know the one criticism I'd say uh, for us as a as a team is that we've probably not shown that level of consistency in front of a home crowd. You know, you look at some of our, our big wins that we've had, you know, we had obviously Donny at home start of the year. And then after that, we're probably, we probably owe the fans, you know, a, a very good result and a comprehensive victory. As I say, this is going to be difficult, but, you know, they've come through thick and thin, supported us all year. And the first year back from COVID, you know, it's, it, there's obviously a lot of difficulty there for some people. So, you know, hopefully we can repay their faith. Because, uh, you know, they're, they're outstanding every week and, and, you know, they deserve a good game to watch and they deserve a performance that they can be proud of. So, you know, hopefully we can deliver that starting on Saturday, but also carry that, as I say, into, um, you know, commentary at home and, and then going into Nottingham at home and cup. Let's talk about you personally a little bit now. Um, frustrating couple of weeks for you. Injury, yeah. then uh, getting COVID as yeah. well. Um, it's going to be really tough for you to get into the side mm. now based off that Ely performance. But how much are you looking forward to at least being involved now that, you, that you're that you now fully fit, haven't got COVID or that kind of stuff, and you're ready to be back helping the team? Yeah, I'm massively. I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, one of the, you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, it's, it's, I was delighted for the boys. And actually, I, you know, I think I've lost my voice a bit, you know, screaming on social science on Saturday and I was only running water. But, you know, obviously you want to be part of that as a player and as a competitor. And, um, you know, I, I love playing for this club. So I want to get back out there as much as possible. You know, obviously through, you know, when, when was my last game? Uh, Scottish at home. So, you know, from that, I obviously had a 
you know, as she said, a bit of a neck injury that um, put me back out a bit and then had a, unfortunately a bit of a family grievance and then COVID. So, you know, it's, it's the rugby actually recently has been a really good distraction for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get out there, but, you know, um, Frosty's been unbelievable all year. Geordie, you know, it's been class last few weeks. Robin's come into his element and had a really good run. And, um, you know, Bailey, who's been calling the line out the back row, you know, all those boys have been going fantastically well. So, you know, hopefully I can keep pushing. Um, and, you know, if I'm involved, brilliant. Um, if I'm not, you know, it's just about uh, helping those guys as much as I can to to be prepared for the weekend. But, um, yeah, hopefully I'll be, I'll be involved in the next few weeks. Um, can keep pushing, keep training, but um, you know, team's going well. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. During that period, exclusively when you had that neck problem, you're actually on the sidelines with Mike, with mm. Sean on the coaching sidelines. Did that as much as you weren't playing? Did that at least give you a little bit more of an insight into the coaching as aspects and how you could bring more out of your teammates? Yeah, massively. I, I suppose when you're uh, as you say, when you're looking at it from that perspective, you kind of look at it more objectively, um, but it's difficult because the emotion's still there. You know, if we're close to scoring or if we've just held them out, you know, it's a huge sense of relief, a very high octane environment, as it were. But, yeah, for, you know, for me personally, obviously, I'm doing a bit of um, coaching away from here. I'm enrolled in my level three. So it's actually been a really good kind of insight to me and a bit of experience of doing it at that kind of championship level, although it, it is difficult not being involved. But to actually look at it um, more objectively, it's been equally educational but also uh you know quite frustrating but you know as i say it's it's just been a nice outlet to be involved in the team and still you know help where i can even you know it's only running water you know that's high quality h2r i assure you but you know it it has been frustrating but it's been nice that i can still kind of just be in and around the team and um you know even in training just be able to get you know hand and ball although i've not been able to uh you know do contacts or anything like that which i'm you know, not overly upset about, but, um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, it's been, it's been good to just stay involved with the team. I know you've got to get to training and I don't want to get you fine. So we'll try and wrap things up shortly. I just, I just want to ask you um, one final question because it's, it alludes to something that you've already mentioned in this interview, which you said, I love playing for this club. The quote I've got written down is um, from a supporter who I, who I won't name on this <laughs> podcast, but he said to me, the best thing about this season is we've seen the best of Alex Wolford's career. <laughs> Why do you think that quote has been said and do you actually agree with it that, that we are seeing the best of you I, I i actually do to be honest and i think a huge part of that is uh and i i actually said this to the coaches the other day that you know i'd say you know the last couple of months i've had in terms of the injury and the stuff going off our field has actually been some of the probably the hardest of my career and i genuinely don't think i would have got through that if it wasn't for the support of the the club and the boys and that's everyone you know mike uh, slug gareth robbo dave you know everyone uh, mayor the physios rudy you know everyone has shown you know a huge amount of support but you know from the from the minute i've come here i've just felt um such a sense of uh togetherness in the squad um and you know we have all the the fun bits of you know the banter and getting stuck in into each other but we actually there's such a good team feel here but also there's such a ingrained sense of ingrained sorry sense of community here um which i've never had um at the club there's always kind of been a uh, the lines between being a community club and a professional club have kind of always been blurred but here you know it sounds a bit silly but it's almost a sense of there is no blurred lines it's just what you don't get one without the other and um you know everyone since uh, i signed in the in the summer um obviously during the covid period has been um so welcoming 
and um yeah it's, it's just been a breath of fresh air and i don't think i've ever had this level of uh enjoyment uh, during my career so um you know i think that's a huge part of it just we, we've got structure we train hard we play hard we try and be as professional as we can be within the, the realms we have but also there is a huge sense of you know there is there is more to bedford than 80 minutes on the pit on the pitch on the weekends um and I, i've definitely felt that over the last couple of months so yeah i think that enjoyment aspect has, has just been a, a breath of fresh air to be honest so um i think that's probably i think that yeah he's whoever has said that is is uh is is correct but i think as i say that's uh, some of the reasons to why well, Wolfie, it's been great catching up. I can hear the boys actually downstairs. Yeah, getting, I'm probably going to get, get a, a, yeah, get a, rolling getting ready so, for the yeah. so I will let so I will let you go. Um, but uh, the, the last thing to say is best of luck on Saturday. No problem. Cheers. Thanks very much. Well, welcome back to the Blues Podcast. Still joined with Matt and Jamie. Boys, I want to play uh, a bit of a game just to kick this final section of the, <laughs> the of podcast off. I've spent all the budget of this episode coming up with the name because I've copied it from another game show but it's fine lingo copyright is fine it's called getting to know you so you've you've got um i think it's eight questions i think it's six of them about your career and two about our uh premiership um strategic partners northampton saints but it's about your career we're going to see how much you know about your own career (laughs) oh yeah um Seeing as I seemingly know more about most most players' careers than you do yourself, so yeah, sure. you are a self-appointed statistician. That's yeah. right. Self self-appointed stato, as Mike calls me. Stato, love very it. very Bri- proud. Brian the stato, statman. Stat-man. He's a yeah, statman. <laughs> <laughs> I would have that. Um, so I haven't actually got a coin on me, so you can decide between you who goes first, and then I'll explain a little bit more you about the first, rules James. of this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so James is going to go first. So um, basically, I'm going to ask you eight questions. Yeah. They, they've either got a numerical or a team uh, answer. They're about your career, as I've said. Um, we'll keep going on the stopwatch, which I will go for. I'll try and give you hints if you can't quite get the answer. Okay. Um, if it goes on for, for a while, because time is of the essence. Uh, true, true, boys. Um, time so, is precious, you know. So, Jamie, you've been picked to start. Um, I have. Are you ready? Yeah. Pass so up. I'll count you down. Three. Five. Three. Oh. Four. Three. Two. One. Sorry. The time starts. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I feel like making We'll pause bit. before we. You should have done it in Italian to Jamie to continue with the Six Nations theme. Do you know Italian? Do you want to do it for me? Because I don't. Cinque, I don't. Cinque, quattro, tre, due, uno. Right. Bye. <laughs> anyway, back back in English, it suits you. Yeah, sorry. Three, two, one. The total number of Bedford Blues appearances that you've made. Oh, uh, 20. Higher. 26. Lower. 23. Lower. 21. Higher. 22, baby. Second question. The team you made your Bedford Blues debut against? Uh, Jersey. Is correct. Total number of tries you've scored for Bedford Blues? Five. Is also correct. The team you scored your first try against? Coventry. Is also correct. Oh, this is yeah. going well. knows his Wikipedia page. Games you've started this season? All of them. Total number? Um, All of them. Yeah, how many games is in the season? You're going to have to start, Higher? 16. Correct. Closest player to you in the Blues squad in terms of total number of Bedford Blues appearances? So you've made 22. Who's next on the list? Alex Day. 
No, forward. Ash Wolford. Tight head prop. Corey. Corey Barrett. Keep going. He's our running. Osman. Who else? Keep going. Who else is tight? Jewel Reg. Prowse. Yo, Yes. And into the final two questions. Who did you make your Northampton Saints debut against? Uh, Saracens. You did? And who did you make your final Saints appearance against? Bristol. Is also correct. There you go. Stop. One 88 wrong. seconds. One wrong. I'm actually quite, I'm actually quite surprised at how well, well so I got you these did. Questions. Hmm? I got the exact same questions. You have, yeah. Okay. But we'll move on. Um, that was good. Yeah, so well you, see, you seem to know quite a lot about your career there, Jamie. Do you have... It's funny, I was actually thinking about what was my last game, my last game for Northampton. You never know what your last game is until it's actually your last game. Can you just pick out a few career highlights for us? I mean, that that's kind of a shortened summary of your career in, <laughs> in the English game. Um, can you pick out any career highlights? Let's go with... Uh, let's see what... Let's see if we want for me. Northampton, obviously, it's got to be the, the, less, the lengths to try. Oh, yeah, got be, yeah, interception. Everyone's saying, kick it out, kick it out. I was like, I've got this. I can go. In Zerbrae, probably beating, beating Stavron, say, at in Paris. Probably say that. And here, probably got to be the Eden game. Yeah, just say that. And the Premiership trial of the decade, somewhere similar? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, the, or the best yeah, pencil, try, yeah, try whichever to, it was announced as. Yeah, try try a season one. Yeah, uh, was it at King's Home? Was that? Yeah, yeah, but flex. Just you know, I just ran a line. You know, G North did, did a lot of the work in out in out hands one two three. CC gave me the ball and then take it in. Take her home. Take her home. There you go. There you go. Well, Matt, you've had a bit more thinking time. Are you? Uh, questions, but are you ready to try and have a go? Well, I can. Well, seeing as you wanted me to do it in Italian, I can kind of do it in French. I yeah, think. go for it. But yeah. I don't know what five is, so I'm going to start with three, which is cinq, trois, cinq, oh, deux, three, yeah, un. Total, total number of Bedford Blues appearances: forty-eight. Lower. It's not, it's 48. It's not. Well, Slow. You've got, you got 47. It is 47. It's not, it's 48. <laughs> it is definitely 47. <laughs> I will show you. It's 48. Team you made your debut against? For Bedford? Yeah. It was, was it Jersey? It was, the same as Jamie. Oh, nice. Total number of tries you've scored for Bedford Blues? 17. Is correct. Bang. The team you scored your first try against? It was... Nottingham? No, same as same as Germany. Cobb. Cobb. Oh, helping him out. Was it? Yeah. Nice. Cobb. Cobb. Yeah. Games you've started this season. Oh, uh, 10. Lower. 9. Lower. 5. Higher. 6. Higher. 7. Higher. 8. Yeah. 8 is correct. The closest player to you in terms of Becker Blues appearances? Joe Atkinson. It is Joe Atkinson. Nice. Who did you make your... Northampton Saints debut against Bristol, and I've got some someone else for your last Saints game, but you're going to contest Timosaurus Saracens. Yes, the game got called off. Fair. <laughs> that may be why it, why it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't classify. But there we go. At least you re remembered who who, who who do you think won? In what? 
Who do you think answered the questions in the quickest amount of time? Oh, um, Magic. well, Magic. the timers kept rolling. Yes. So none of us did. No, because Jamie's was one minute and 28 seconds. So that means yours was one minute and 16 seconds. So you won, Matt, but you don't Yes, that I'm very happy. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Um, the same question that I asked Jamie, can you pick out any career highlights from so far? Uh, any career highlights? Um, obviously, playing for Saints in the first place was pretty, like, quite a big moment for me, you know, not many opportunities uh, that someone from Hong Kong gets to come over to the UK and play a pretty high-level rugby. Um, and then again, same going at wrestling, winning winning the Espoirs League was pretty decent and playing against the Sharks from South Africa in Hong Kong in front of my parents was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably one of my biggest highlights and then obviously being kneeling away is pretty cool perfect well boys it's been good to uh, catch up i'm gonna ask you one final question to conclude the episode it's one i've already asked you early on but what's your final rallying call for supporters that are thinking about attending Goldston road on saturday for the visit of cornish pirates don't think just do yeah retweet that's a great shout perfect well it's been great <laughs> catching up Go, um, go to Taylor's Kitchen and get some good food and beers and watch the blues. That's got sort of a rhyme to it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I like that. Perfect. Well, it's been great Perfect. catching up. I wish you every success in tonight's training and best of luck on Saturday. Yeah, Thank you, Brian. Thanks a lot. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Blues Podcast. Don't forget, tickets are still available for Saturday's game as well as those for our final home league fixture against Coventry under the Friday night lights on the 11th of March, which also plays host to our Real Ale Festival. Make sure to check out www.bedfordrugby.co.uk forward slash tickets to view all the latest events at Goldington Road. Thank you very much for listening to this month's episode. Make sure to stay tuned for our, our upcoming March episode where a certain former player associated with Amanda Jane Lingerie is set to feature. Take care, everyone, and see you all soon.